and welcome uh, again to video series uh, brought to you, of course, by Helmgas and TTRP Theater as we continue to explore the world of cults um, via interviews and just discussions on this amazing world. Today, we have the myth, the legend, who stands upon the, the pedestals of storytelling uh, as no one has ever been before. Um, I don't really think I even need to introduce him, but nonetheless, it is Peter Nalo. How's it going? Yeah, it's going fine. Now it's no pressure. It's like storytelling. (laughs) It's good. Now, now I know that it's like no pressure. (laughs) No pressure. It's totally cool. We're, we're, we're chilling out. Uh, this is a great day in the U.S. and in, in Sweden. Uh, it's midnight and, here, so it's actually... Yeah. <laughs> it's still yeah. light outside, though. That's okay. Yeah, but it's, I'm, I'm quite far north in Sweden, so no midnight sun, but still, this is as dark as it gets. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Sweden's just magic. Every time I hear about it, it just sounds like a magic place. Yeah, you can watch the movie Midsummer, and then you like it's like that. I have, I have, and I'm like, this is a cool place. I, I would like to go. <laughs> yeah, welcome, come and join our cult. Yes, spelled with a K. All right, so tonight, today, we are talking about the Seven Commandments of Cult, which is, of course, how you kind of uh, approach uh, the scenarios and the world in of itself. Um, uh, Petter, I mean, I, of course, people might not know who you are. So despite me kind of placing you on that pedestal, can you kind of give a, a small synopsis of, of who you are and what you mean to cult? Well, I am right now the creative director of cult. So if you would write a scenario and send it in for for a review or if it, you want to have it published or anything like that, it will finally end up at sort of in my on my table. So I look over the overall plan for what kind of books we will publish. I go through all the content. I look at all the artworks and order all the artworks. So I'm sort of the creative hub in, in, the, in the cult universe. And I'm a fan of cult. I, 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 I discovered cult when I was about 14. And it changed my life and my world. I was like, ooh, this is amazing. I, I love this game. And it was a long time later when it sort of just happened that I came to be the creative director of this new edition of Cult. So I'm, I'm standing on the shoulder of giants here, trying to do <laughs> my best way on like, what should we do with Cult now? And see what, what way should we go forward? I like the new direction. I certainly like the the new books and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think we we're going to talk about the Seven Commandments. So why don't you start us off? Yeah, well, the Seven Commandments is something that that I I actually created because there was a lot of freelancers that were new to cult that had a lot of questions. Uh, what was like the right tone, the right mood and the right feeling for cult and cult is so diverse you can do a lot of things within the the, the the game but I felt that I wanted to create a group of commandments that sort of pillars that tells the, the, the writer and the creator sort of this is cult and these are the things that you should try the, the, the borders you should try to you know be within mm-hmm. So, so um, 
they are quite broad and quite quite uh, not not that specific in many ways but they all have a question that asks sort of the creator of like are you doing this and if the answer is no then perhaps you are on the wrong path so mm-hmm. to speak um but sometimes you need to break a commandment perhaps but then you need to have a good reason to do so yeah um yeah all right i will just go through them the first commandment is know what you want to say um and what i want with that is that you as a writer or creator should understand the underlying theme of what you are creating if you are creating a source book it's like what is the underlying goal of the source book if it's a scenario or article what is the scenario about because you have the scenario on a plot level but then you have sort of the thematic level mm-hmm. um and also like how how will a player or a game master use this because sometimes you might create a scenario that is perhaps really cool and really interesting but super hard to use there are there are some of those and i think we will we have published perhaps one or two of those, and there would be probably be some more that just sparks the imagination. Because I think it's something different. It's always good, but I think it's yeah. good if it's usable. Um, so, do you know what you want to say? It's a good question. So, like, when you're writing a scenario, what do I want to say with this? I think that that is something that you can ask yourself from time to time. Kind of uh, definitely something important. I mean, uh, of course, I'm kind of curious about um, maybe a few of them that you talked about that were kind of um, different uh, than the others in terms of kind of what they want to say. And I'm curious about what those scenarios are and kind of how they were a little bit different from the main gist of the question. Yeah, I, I think that there are some different scenarios, for example, in Tarotticum and other tales, and those scenarios you, you can you can uh, download for free, you know, home mm-hmm. webpage as well. So so there is a scenario called uh, The Summit, for example, which, which is like um, a very almost surreal, violent scenario about a high-rise building and the characters sort of ending up there, and it sort of borders on some real surrealism and, and brutality and gore almost and and i think it's very different from the other scenarios the other one is uh, and this is my pronunciation is wrong la cena like the dinner yeah la cena which is like this takes place during a dinner uh, each course is sort of one scene that sort of picks on the story i would say it's also quite different from any of the other scenarios in the upcoming book screams and whispers we will have the driver which yeah. everything takes place in the back of a limousine. Very short scenario, very tight, very intense. So there will be of those more, I would say they are perhaps a little bit more difficult to play in a way, but I think they can also sort of spark the imagination into other directions. And I think it's important to have this offer something different. So when you're kind of going, uh, is, is there a reason this is number one? Is this kind of the first step into kind of writing something within cult? Or is it just kind of any number? I, I wouldn't say it's a reason. I think that all of these uh, commandments are something that you should uh, revisit from time to time because writing a scenario, writing a source book is a quite long process. And when you have written the scenario, at least if you're like me, then you're like, oh, okay, then I will rewrite it and change things and rewrite it and change things and test it. And then rewrite it and cut it and kill darlings and rewrite it. And like, <laughs> try, try to find 
find the scenario because knowing what you want to say, I, I don't really mean that you, in the beginning, you might not know and it shouldn't really stop you, but it's like you should ask this question again and again. And perhaps after a while you realize, ah, this is what it is about. And then you need to rewrite everything. So it's a, <laughs> it's a process, right. but it, it's not a reason it's number one. I think that and they could, this could come in any order, really. Well, let's go on to number two. Number two. Remember the human drama. Um, and this is that the human drama is the center of the story. So on, no matter on what level you have the story on, it should really be about the drama you find. Like, it should be like lust, passion, betrayal, pride, fear, greed. Um, even like monsters and demons and things should have this aspect of it. So always remember the human drama and remember that the, the player characters are the main characters of the story. Yeah. Because I think that in some games, it's sort of forgotten. You might have like, oh, I have a really cool plot with my favorite non-player character and a dragon and like uh, and everything. And then you have the player characters and they sort of, they are in a corner and they will go and do things, but they are, it's not really about them. Yeah. And it should be about the player characters. They are the center of the story. So remember the human drama. So the question you should ask is, do I leave room for human drama? Is there a human drama in my story? Because I think that that is sort of that you want to touch with cult. You sort of find that personal aspect of it to make it a good and, and a memorable game. And I know we'll talk about it a little bit later. Oakwood Heights is very um, kind of the focus of everyone's dark secrets as well as them coming to life uh, amongst this human experience uh, that it's kind of unfolding uh, before them throughout the whole scenario, uh, which I think is a great example. Island of the Dead also have the same thing where each one has sort of their own thing here. And, and, and I think it's that that is a sort of a, a core thing in cult, which is also in almost all gothic games, which, which cult indeed is, that yeah. you did the the terror that haunts you is from sort of your own past and it's about your character. It's not really... It's not that much as it comes from the outside as it comes from you, in a way, and what mm. you have done, and your past and stuff like that. So Yeah. I mean, definitely sets it apart from kind of other uh, horror games uh, that it's focus very stuff within. From, it's very different from Call of Cthulhu, for example, mm -hmm. which is where the horror is always from outside. You, as a player in Cthulhu, you are an ant. You are not, you're worthless. You are not really, your role in the story is like almost a bit pointless. And, mm -hmm. and I, I have played a lot of Cthulhu and I like sort of the, I have yeah, written a, a scenario for the Swedish edition of Cthulhu right now. So so I I, I like it, but I think it, it creates a distance that I don't want to be there in cult. I want in cult, the player characters are the center of the story and the human drama is something that sort of is always there. I think we're ready for number three. Mm. Number, number three. three. Be true to the mythology. Um, so this is really asked for, for, for new, perhaps new writers. Cult is quite a complex mythology. Half of the rule book is like, mythology <laughs> so it's like oh, it's 200 pages here you go start reading but that's 
if you want to write for cult, you should read up on the mythology. And it, and it is in sections. So if you want to have about the underworld, you can just read about the underworld and most of the things are contained there and you can use that. Um, so, and of course, when you create things to the mythology, you want to build on it and expand on it. But you should always understand and respect the already written material. Here, yeah. it, here it is a difference between me and, for example, Mikael and Gunilla, who wrote the first edition of Cult. They are more like, I do whatever you want. In this, this book, we will decide this. And in this book, we will decide this. And in this book, we'll be like this. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I, rem I remember talking to them a couple of days ago. Yeah. And they're like, just write whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no matter that, that's their take on it. And me and Mika and Gunilla are quite different in that way. Uh, I really want, I mean, I think that you should explore cult in many different ways and you can have complete whole dream worlds that are whole worlds on themselves and you can have what if stories and you can have like, you can kill an archon in a scenario. You can do a lot of things, but I want it to be connected to the, the setting and the world. And I want it to feel consistent. If you read that the Archons function in one way in one book, another book shouldn't tell you the opposite. Yeah. You should feel that, oh, okay, this is an actual world that is, and it, it, I think it comes, I worked a lot with another Swedish role-playing game, a fancy role-playing game called Eon, which has, I mean, without doubt, the most complex and deep Swedish role-playing game world. Probably one of the worlds. I mean, it's like we have languages. It's like <laughs> it, it, it's like we have a, like a ten thousand year history with different nations that have risen and formed. We have It's like super detailed in in a, in a way that is almost mind-boggling. But I, I haven't inherited some of that because. It makes it more complex, but it also makes the world feel more consistent and more yeah. real in a way. So you're yeah, definitely. But, and also one thing to add to the through to the mythology, it also means that when you're adding things to it, what doesn't work? If you add like a Cthulhu monster or like aliens or Sevs or Godzilla and stuff like that, it's like, okay, now you're derailing it. If you're <laughs> adding something like that, you need to make it sort of work within their borders. Uh, there goes my Godzilla idea. It's, uh, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for the Godzilla campaign. But it's yeah, it's it's okay. I'll I'll make it something else. <laughs> I think you can make something like that in Gaia or perhaps parts of Metropolis if you want to. It it probably works if you. There we go. I got the A. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. Uh, obviously it's kind of important to have that consistent theme throughout it. And I think part of that is that when you go to conventions or when you meet other cult people, you can be like, Oh yeah, I know that, you know that. And it's, it's all kind of, there's no crazy surprises where they're like, Oh, the Archon did that. That's, um, that's interesting. That's, uh, that usually doesn't happen like that. Like, uh, working at McDonald's. That's cool. I don't know. It's <laughs> yeah. No, I know, but I, exactly. And I, I mean, I think it's I, I, it's just a matter of perspective. Another mm -hmm. creative director would probably perhaps go for another direction, and it's fine. But I think that for Cult Divinity Lost, it would be like that, as long as I'm alive or in this position. <laughs> All right. 
I think we are ready for number four. four, four. Yes. Let's Curtis, go. Dark. Please make this. This one, <laughs> this one is called Touch Upon the Dark. Ooh, nice. Cult is a game that goes to the edge and then balances on it. Um, and as a creator for scenarios in Cult, you should dare to push it. Ask some difficult questions. Take inspiration from the darkness in our world. And don't make horror like easy and uncomplicated, like black or white. For example, Oakwood Heights, Franklin Mills sure is a terrible person. He's also a victim. There is a reason for things that happen. Even the sort of the monsters in the cult myths often have a reason for things like that. It doesn't mean that you should just like to shock and like it should be macabre all the time. It should be like, ah, let's see if we can sort of make someone upset because then it's just, then it becomes cheap. Yeah. But I think it's, I think you should, like, it is cult. And I think cult is that it dares to go to those places that are a bit more uncomfortable uh, and doesn't take, I mean, it's for, for, I think that, like, death is easy in a game. Dungeons and Dragons, you die, like, oh, my character de- is died by the trap or, like, killed. And, and now, I mean, so I, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm painting with broad strokes. Of course, yeah. you can have a lot of investments, but this is from my experience playing D&D and other games. It's like, your character dies, like, oh, crap. All right, the other person's sad for a while, then they lose your body and take your stuff. And after a while, they meet like, oh, a ranger. Hello, yeah. <laughs> character. Can I join you on your quest? Like, fine. Oh, you have the skills we need. Perfect. Let's go on. <laughs> and, and I was like, death is easy. Uh, and I would say death is also almost an easy thing in other games. And I think that why go for the easy solution? And we want it to be sort of like, a Lars von Trier movie, something where it's like, oh, you perhaps you didn't die, perhaps this happened, perhaps it was revealed that you have done these things. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, and, and I like when you're sort of dare to make a character more complicated. I, I have a very good example that uh, often the most common things are the ones that creates the most disturbing things in a way. Um, I, I, you can have like the, the dark secret guilty of crime, for example. Mm-hmm. A crime, you have done something and it sort of bothers you. It's like you can't let it go. You have it in your mind and it sort of haunts you, the dark secret. An easy way out is to say like, oh, I killed someone. You know, it's like I, it was in war and I shot a man. And I can't forget it. I, I, I mean, you can build a really good story out of that. If yeah. it, it, but if you would say like... No, what happened was that I was, I ran out, I ran over a, a person with my car. And it's a person I know, but I was sort of drunk and, and, and I got so scared, so I ran away. He's not dead. He's like paralyzed. And now it's like his family is sort of paying everything to sort of support him. It's like a, a terrible situation and I still see him. And it's like, ooh, I can see other things coming from that. It's much more closer to home and closer to yeah. reality ah, complex, and you can sort of relate to it. Like, I killed someone in a war. For a lot of people, it's like, okay. Yeah, it's kind of, it's something, you know, most of us can't imagine because we haven't gotten anywhere close to that. And we should be thankful for that, of course. Yes, definitely. So I I think to go there, to touch upon the dark, doesn't mean to go to more extreme, but perhaps go more personal. 
and and let your character be just not black or white let your character be be a uh, broken let, let your character have done something that is perhaps like ooh can i can i forgive that kind of character because forgiving someone for killing someone is easy forgiving for a sort of paralyzing yeah and that, that is much harder in a way in in a role playing game Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think that that's uh, so. The question is like, does it touch upon the dark, and and how you touch upon the dark and how you make it more complicated is really up to you. Yeah, and I, I kind of have that image of almost like ripples in in dark water. You know, when when you are making a character and the ripples go out and you see what kind of comes back. If if the character, if your regrets are just have ended because that person no longer exists and can no longer kind of send those ripples back or, or kind of remind you about the horrific things you, you've done, then it just ends right there. But in the case of the example you gave that the car accident, the, the friend getting hurt and, and continuing on, those ripples come back to you as the character and you're like, this, this just keeps coming back because you can see it day by day you can interact with it you can it's still part of your story and something that you you know can't just forget because it's it's still there uh, yeah. which i think is very good it's really about what sort of of course you need to think about this sort of what what questions are are, are what are what are people comfortable in in a, the play group mm-hmm. as well so i mean uh, and that goes without saying to any of this that you should play health to have fun so it's like you shouldn't like force people into direction yeah. that I feel like, oh, this is crap, I feel bad in, in the wrong kind of way. Uh, but, but I mean, uh, I, I think that to go for the, you know, my dark secret is like, yeah, I, I lost my temper and I did beat my wife really badly. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. what is your, did you beat your, your like your spouse? Uh, and then it's, then it comes super close to reality and it comes, and you are a nice person. It's like, ah, and then it's like this sticky situation. And then I think that but then you are on to something. Then you then you can find find another kind of drama. I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. And in, in, in terms of definitely comparing it to, to other role playing games, where uh, a lot of the, I guess it's kind of almost um, a downplaying of of empathy uh, in a way, where you as the character. Uh, and of course, you know, I, I, I like Pathfinder, I like D&D, but there's definitely that downplay as you start killing all sorts of things. By the end of a, a campaign, you have like a body count of about a thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, while in, in Cult, like the, the smallest action, you have to think, what does that mean for me? And what does that mean for that character? And, and how do people view me? And how do I, how do I live as a human being with, with that? Yeah, uh, yeah, and, and I think those scenes becomes much stronger. Mm-hmm. Like a shootout in an alleyway, okay, that that can be really intense and and, uh, and exciting. A scene where one of the character flips and sort of beats up a person, like a friend or something, because it's sort of lost, lose control of his aggression or something like that. Then it's more like ooh, then it becomes closer. But I, I also think it depends on what kind of game you're running. If you're playing Pathfinder, it's like, it should be like heroic and like ruins. Yeah, and definitely. And stuff. If you're going like, I killed it. Oh, it's like, it's like, okay, okay. This is not what I we're about to play right now. It's like, <laughs> I, I think, I, I think it, I think it's sort of, I think it's contagious. I do sort of the same thing as well. I, even if I play something like 
Star Wars and things like that. I have a very hard time to make it too goofy. I, yeah, I always like, oh, but what would a play? Uh, what what in re reality? <laughs> oh, that, that stormtrooper probably had someone that cared for him. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 kind of. Um... I want to say ironic uh, that kind of a, a dark game like cult makes you in some ways a little bit more empathetic with the, the characters that you make in, in kind of a, a general uh, way as you kind of bring that uh, same thinking into Pathfinder where you're like, I just killed this person and everyone's like hacking away at other people. And you're looking around with his body in your arms, tears down your, your face. Yeah, no, but I, I think I, I think that's perfectly true that cult is probably because in cult everything is kind of dark. Everyone is broken. Everyone has a dark secret, and in your divine past as a as a god, you did probably terrible, terrible things. You were sort of mm -hmm. a tyrant, probably. Um, but when every character is broken and every person has faults and every monster is. They also have a, a connection to the mythology, and a lot of sort of the creatures in cult are like former servants of our divine selves. Creatures that we have sort of the children of the underworld are sort of those that we have sort of exterminated and have fled from us. I mean, yeah. you can sort of find a lot of sort of they have a reason to be angry. They have a reason to hate us. I mean, there is there's a lot of that. But when you have that, every character is broken. Every character has fault. It's not so easy to say like this is good and this is evil. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely think the the more nuanced that that question is in a scenario is is kind of more to the enjoyment of it. Yeah, depends on what you like. I guess, I guess some. I think it's easier if it's simple to some people, but I think <laughs> it's. Yeah. But but touch upon the dark and see where the dark leads. All right, to the fifth one. Yeah. <sighs> fifth one is. Let extremes clash. The spiritual and wondrous with the mundane. The grotesque with the beautiful. L mix them like paint to create the right atmosphere. And my examples are like, in a suburb an angel might live in a rundown apartment, scribbled on a napkin from Burger King or the first world, words of medic ritual. A romance plays out in a filthy motel room are Nephorite as horrific as attractive. So the question is, do I let extreme contrasts, extremes contrast each other? And I just think I think this is sort of the core of cult. And it's also <laughs> the core of Clive Barker, which is sort of a big influence to cult. Yeah, well, how would you kind of, uh, uh, I mean, you, uh, let, let's go with Oakwood Heights. Uh, I think it's kind of the scenario we keep touching back on. Um, but what, how, how did you approach that? clash of the extremes in that scenario when you were writing but, but, but one, one of the things that you can of course have in in oakwood heights is that i mean a, a, a typical the most common clash in in cult is of course that it starts extremely common in a very mm -hmm. controlled environment on a police station in the end you have sort of entered into another world into a purgatory <laughs> So, so, I mean, they, they have sort of left the real world uh, and into a, a more weird creation. Um, and and you also have, uh, so you have the, the sort of the clash of the normal and like Franklin Mills is a perpetrator. He sort of 
grew up in a broken home. He goes away and works, and he meets a, a sort of another steel mill worker, I think, and and, and that's yeah, like uh, t teaches him a magic ritual, like like sort of magic and normality mixes. I wouldn't say that Oakwood Heights is probably one of the scenarios where the extreme clashes the least. It's not as, 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 as profound as some of the others, because Oakwood Heights is a scenario that is also very... It's not that many monsters that look like monsters, and that's not that many, many, many magical things. It's very close, in a way, to our world, with, with, with a purpose to be so. It's more like... Yeah. Two than 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 the black madonna which is wonderful but 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 much larger and much bigger um so so but i think that other scenarios do, does it very very well uh the atrocity exhibition is, is has a lot of that but yeah to, um, it's an art exhibition but then sort of the paintings you sort of drawn into the different paintings and the creatures you meet can look horrific but still be sort of attractive and i think that that's sort of the the thing that you want to sort of the blend the normal world that is sort of super ordinary and then you just add like a magical element to it and it's like it's like why wouldn't a magician write the spell on a napkin from burger king <laughs> do you have like a tome or like and why wouldn't a sort of fallen angel live in a like an apartment in a suburb yeah like, have try to sort of squeeze them in so that it might be wondrous but it's like yeah he, he this is an old god and like from the forgotten world he lives under a brig, bridge like a homeless person american gods is really good at that as well like you have some yeah right like taxi cab it's like okay so you're like a, a, a magical creature what do you do i drive a taxi <laughs> oh okay yeah it's, so, it's so I think that that's sort of too, and I also think it gives the world a sense of magic, and it it gives the world a feeling that, um, oh yeah, I I have a wonderful, a good example I really really like. It's from the scenario the Lorraine Estate, uh, and it's just a sentence. It's like there's an old elevator that doesn't work, but if you would climb up the shaft, you would end up in Metropolis, and it's like. Oh, and that's just <laughs> something in me like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the world sort of merged there. And I, I, I like that. So, so I think that's, that's something. Try to sort of, if you have like, if it's just a monster, it's just like, and that's sort of common thing for the monsters. It should be like, you should be like, oh, it's disgusting, but nah, it's still a little bit, mm, yeah, I don't know. It's a puzzle box that opens the... <laughs> doors to another world and i think the ending of it i don't i don't remember the ending but it's like the the the, the short story ends with like what if there is like a tune that opens uh, a door to the world of dreams what if it's a a painting that you can end? it sort of speculates in what other keys there can be to the other dimension but also the thing about cult that i think is i really try to push in this new edition mm -hmm. that there is magic around us all the time but we just see it as the world it's like oh it's, it's commonplace you have like a, in your hand you have like a, a cell phone with that you can sort of access the all almost all the information in the world you can have maps over the earth you can contact contact anyone it's like oh, it's just a phone it's like no, yeah. this is 
this is sort of a magic item you have there and like the and then you have like the gods and creatures like in the ruins of metropolis and out of the gaia like looking into our world and like wow that's like super cool <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> i'll like, never look I, at my phone the same yeah no but i mean <laughs> i i think that's that's uh, that's a key thing yeah I, now we rambled about that yeah all right number six give a feeling of unfathomable mysteries this is really the archons and the death angels are powers beyond our understanding they are the core of the machinery their servants the lictors the nephrites the cult they try to interpret and understand the will to rituals and prayers even the arc incarnates are but shards of the power itself telling only one truth they are themselves mysteries in the universe of cult the blind leads the blind and even the monster seeks for further truth and insight. Do I leave room for the feeling of mysteries? Uh, and what I want with that is that I don't want the Archons and the Death Angels, sort of the, or the Astaroth and Demiurg. Yeah. <clears throat> you should never have the feeling of it's some dude sitting on a throne, like I am Netzach. This is my command, like so, so, so. Yeah. This is a will. This is a power. This is a principle that runs through our world, and even the servants of this will don't really understand it. This is a broken machinery since the demiurge is gone. So the blind leads the blind. There might be many interpretations of what an archon wants. It might, so leave room for mysteries. Leave rooms for don't explain everything leave sort of and and some things can be more explained and some things should never be fully explained like mm -hmm. inferno never try to explain all of that it's like the inferno chapter i wrote I, it became better and better the more i cut and finally i sort of cut half of it and i was like okay now now it's, now okay. it's perfect <laughs> oh, yeah it was like the more you wrote about it the more the magic just like because there was a lot of like you know scenarios where like ah oh, and then netzach sort of tells its servant like go there kill that person and I was yeah like, no no it should be not like that it's it's more like god in christian mythology it's like mm -hmm. you might interpret that netzach wants it but you're not sure but you might pretend to be sure your ritual might say like it's probably like that the dream i had yeah in that direction but i don't know it's mostly because that 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 commandment is mostly because okay remember leave room for mysteries mm -hmm. even the sort of monster of the cult setting doesn't know what's going on <laughs> we are all blind here it's like a broken machinery i think we are at the next what's eight right no we are to seventh and last one. Oh, seven! all right seven curtis Take out the back seven. Oh, no, no, keep the eight. Keep the eight. <laughs> seven is, is, is like when you cut someone with a razor blade, which you do in cult. No, seven is leave mark. What you write should leave a mark. It should be something that creates a lasting memory. To do this, it must stand out. So what leaves a mark is up to the, the, the creator. It can be tied to like a unique character, a location, a twist. It can be a very specific scene that you sort of put extra energy into. Um, yeah. But I think it's good to sort of think about 
what will people remember from this scenario? And perhaps you need to play test it and you might not really know, but I think it's good to sort of think about if you make, because it, um, if I would make like a, a, a dungeon for Dungeons and Dragons, I think this is an, a metaphor. There is a lot of dungeons. There's mm -hmm. a ton of dungeons. How would I create a dungeon that when players have played like 100 scenarios with 100 dungeons, they would like, ah, but I remember that time in that place that sort of stands out. What mm -hmm. was it in the dungeon? Was it like it must made your eyes or it was like, a very specific NPC character. It was like a meta plot, and it, it, the same goes for cult. Like that, you should, in a scenario, especially think of like what, what will people remember from this, uh, and and try to sort of find perhaps some key scenes and sort of fuse infuse them with more of that. Perhaps lift yeah. them up. Um, sometimes they probably players will probably remember something completely different. <laughs> and it's fine, but it's just to sort of find like what will people remember of this? Because I also think that it pushes you a little bit to find what makes it distinct. Yeah, what will create the memory. Yeah, yeah, and it might be different things, of course. I don't think that you can perhaps always lean on art because it's when you are playing role-playing games, you always have a game master, and the game master makes what he or she wills with the scenario and that's how it should be but as a creator it should be just sort of i will push up this scene this scene mm -hmm. is something i think will be remembered this scene is something that makes it yeah what was the scene for oakwood heights it's a very very short scene uh, that i would say there there are i would say there are two more perhaps okay you only get one. Oh, no. Can I have three? You can have two. We'll oh, settle for two, not three, yeah. just two. Damn it. You are so tough. <laughs> okay, I can take the first one that I heard the most because Oakwood Heights is a scenario that has been played in conventions and I played this with quite a lot. Uh, and this is, of course, a spoiler, but. And it's a very short paragraph in the, in the, in the, in the scenario. When you play the character of Joshua Katz, it's a possibility that you may, may make a deal with the Nephrite, Martha Mills. But you don't talk to the Nephrite, you talk to your mother, who you sort of killed, or left, you didn't stop yeah. her. And to seal the deal, you need to take a hammer and sort of smash her head. That scene has sort of... I've heard a lot. I mean, in like playgroups, it's like when sort of one, sort of the wife of the husband, and the husband played Joshua Katz, and the, sort of the wife was like, how could you do that? It's like, <laughs> monster are you? Um, so I think that is, that is a scene that sort of got stuck. It was not something I planned, but I noticed that something just yeah. that's sacrificed. Um, Another, what I, what I sort of pushed a little bit more was the, the feeling when you come to this ship at Sog Island and down in a machine room and you sort of hear William Bedford, the small boy there, the sort of creepiness. And, I, I, and for me, it's just, just, but I want the scene with like dark, oily water, cold machinery, and there's a child in there. 
All right, down to. Oh no no! That was the that was the last one. Oh my gosh! Those are the only seven you need to know, and then you can write for cult. <laughs> so that, that, that's the, that's the borders you can have like when you are seeking inspiration. So now that they are experts on uh, cult and in writing in the universe, do you have any final remarks to people who are watching, uh, who are about to go write their masterpiece? I would say that hmm. no, I don't. I think I think you should be free and explore. You can use the, the commandments if they are helpful to sort of. They are quite broad. Just try to stay within them and, and, and look at them from time to time and look at the questions like, hmm, and ask them to yourself. And they don't have to be perfect. And also, I think, okay, the thing I want to say, when you've written your first draft, don't expect it to be perfect. Just write the first draft and it's like, okay, this is a first draft. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, Oakwood Heights, for example, we have talked about it. I wrote and rewrote that scenario so many times changed profoundly in some areas so and it's still not perfect you I, I think it's it's like george lucas when he talks about the star wars movies uh, movies are not completed they are abandoned and i think that scenarios are sort of finally you're like ah <laughs> i'm done <laughs> i'm done let's leave it it's it's good enough mm -hmm.